part seven of anne severn and the fieldings by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part seven adeline chapter one they would never know what it cost her to come back and look after colin that knowledge was beyond adeline fielding she congratulated anne and expected anne to congratulate herself on being well out of it her safety was revolting and humiliating to anne when she thought of queenie and cutler and dicky and elliot and gerald and all the allied armies in the thick of it she had left a world where life was lived at its highest pitch of intensity for a world where people were only half alive to be safe from the chance of sudden violent death was to be only half alive her one consolation had been that now she would see gerald but she did not see him gerald had given up his appointment in the punjab three weeks before the outbreak of the war his return coincided with the retreat from mons he had not been in england a week before he was in training on salisbury plain anne had left wick when he arrived and before he got leave she was in belgium with her field ambulance and now in october of nineteen fifteen when she came back to wick gerald was fighting in france at least they knew what had happened to colin but about elliot and gerald they knew nothing anything might have happened to them since they had written the letters that let them off from week to week telling them that they were safe anything might happen and they might never know anne's fear was dumb and secret she couldn't talk about gerald she lived every minute in terror of adeline's talking of the cries that came from her at queer unexpected moments between two cups of tea two glances at the mirror two careful gestures of her hands pinning up her hair i cannot bear it if anything happens to gerald anne oh anne i wonder what's happening to gerald if only i knew what was happening to gerald oh, if only i knew where gerald was nothing so awful as not knowing and at breakfast over toast and marmalade anne i've got such an awful feeling that something's happened to gerald i'm sure these feelings aren't given you for nothing you aren't eating anything darling you must eat every morning at breakfast anne had to look through the lists of killed missing and wounded to save adeline the shock of coming upon gerald's or elliot's name every morning adeline gazed at anne across the table with the same look of strained and agonized inquiry every morning anne's heart tightened and dragged then loosened and lifted as they were let off for one more day one more day not one more hour one minute any second the wire from the war office might come chapter two anne never knew the moment when she was first aware that colin's mother was afraid of him aunt adeline was very busy making swabs and bandages every day she went off to her war hospital supply work at the town hall and anne was left to take care of colin she began to wonder whether the swabs and bandages were not a pretext for getting away from colin it's no use adeline said i cannot stand the strain of it anne he's worse with me than he is with you everything i say and do is wrong you don't know what it was like before you came anne did know the awful thing was that colin couldn't bear to be left alone day or night he would lie awake shivering with terror if he dropped off to sleep he woke screaming at first pinkney slept with him but pinkney had joined up and old wilkins the butler was impossible because he snored anne had her old room across the passage where she had slept when they were children 
and now as then their doors were left open so that at a sound from colin she could get up and go to him she was used to the lacerating unearthly scream that woke her the scream that terrified adeline that made her cover her head tight with the bedclothes to shut it out that made her lock her door to shut out colin once he had come into his mother's room and she had found him standing by her bed and looking at her with a queer frightened face that frightened her she was always afraid of this happening again anne couldn't bear to think of that locked door she was used to the sight of colin standing in her doorway to the watches beside his bed where he lay shivering holding her hand tight as he used to hold it when he was a child to anne he was poor call call again the little boy who was afraid of ghosts only more abandoned to terror more unresisting he would start and tremble at any quick unexpected movement he would burst into tears at any sudden sound small noises whisperings murmurings creakings soft shufflings irritated him loud noises the slamming of doors the barking of dogs the crowing of cocks made him writhe in agony for colin the deep silence of the manor was the ambush for some stupendous crashing annihilating sound sound that was always coming and never came the droop of the mouth that used to appear suddenly in his moments of childish anguish was fixed now and fixed the little tortured twist of his eyebrows and his look of anxiety and fear his head drooped his shoulders were hunched slightly as if he cowered before some perpetually falling blow on fine warm days he lay out on the terrace on adeline's long chair on wet days he lay on the couch in the library or sat crouching over the fire anne brought him milk or beef tea or benger's food every two hours he was content to be waited on he had no will to move no desire to get up and do things for himself he lay or sat still shivering every now and then as he remembered or imagined some horror and as he was afraid to be left alone anne sat with him how can you say this is a quiet place he said it's quiet enough now it isn't it's full of noises loud thundering noises going on and on awful noises you know what it is it's the guns in france i can hear them all the time no colin that isn't what you hear we're much too far off nobody could hear them i can i don't think so do you mean it's noises in my head yes they'll go away when you're stronger i shall never be strong again oh yes you will be you're better already if i get better they'll send me out again never never again i ought to be out i oughtn't to be sticking here doing nothing and you don't think queenie'll come over do you no i don't she's got too much to do out there you know that's what i'm afraid of more than anything queenie's coming she'll tell me i funked she thinks i funked she thinks that's what's the matter with me she doesn't she knows it's your body not you your nerves are shaken to bits that's all i didn't funk anne he said it for the hundredth time i mean i stuck it all right i went back after i had shell-shocked the first time straight back into the trenches it was at the very end of the fighting that i got it again then i couldn't go back i couldn't move i know colin i know does queenie know of course she does she understands perfectly why she sees men with shell-shock every day she knows you were splendid i wasn't but i wasn't as bad as she thinks me don't let her see me if she comes back she won't come oh she will she will 
she'll get leave some day tell her not to come tell her she can't see me say i'm off my head any old lie that'll stop her but don't think about her i can't help thinking she said such beastly things you can't think what disgusting things she said she says them to everybody she doesn't mean them oh doesn't she is that mother you might tell her i'm sleeping for colin was afraid of his mother too he was afraid that she would talk that she would talk about the war and about gerald colin had been home six weeks and he had not once spoken gerald's name he read his letters and handed them to anne and adeline without a word it was as if between him and the thought of gerald there was darkness and a supreme nameless terror one morning at dawn anne was wakened by colin's voice in her room anne are you awake the room was full of the white dawn she saw him standing in it by her bedside my head's awfully queer he said i can feel my brain shaking and wobbling inside it as if the convolutions had come undone could they oh of course they couldn't the noise might have loosened them it isn't your brain you feel colin it's your nerves it's just the shock still going on in them is it never going to stop yes when you're stronger go back to bed and i'll come to you he went back she slipped on her dressing-gown and came to him she sat by his bed and put her hand on his forehead there it stops when you put your hand on yes and you'll sleep presently to her joy he slept she stood up and looked at him as he lay there in the white dawn he was utterly innocent utterly pathetic in his sleep and beautiful sleep smoothed out his vexed face and brought back the likeness of the boy colin gerald's brother that morning a letter came to her from gerald he wrote don't worry too much about call call he'll be all right as long as you'll look after him she thought i wonder whether he remembers that he asked me to but she was glad he was not there to hear colin scream chapter three and can you sleep said adeline colin had gone to bed and they were sitting together in the drawing-room for the last hour of the evening not very well when colin has such bad nights you think he's ever going to get right again yes but it'll take time a long time very long probably my dear if it does i don't know how i'm going to stand it and if i only knew what was happening to gerald and elliot sometimes i wonder how i've lived through these five years first robert's death then the war and before that there was nothing but perfect happiness i think trouble's worse to bear when you've known nothing but happiness before if i could only die instead of all these boys in why can't i what is there to live for well there's gerald and elliot and colin oh my dear gerald and elliot may never come back and look at poor colin that isn't the colin i know he'll never be the same again i'd almost rather he'd been killed than that he should be like this if he'd lost a leg or an arm it's all very well for you anne he isn't your son you don't know what he is said anne she thought he's gerald's brother he's what gerald loves more than anything no said adeline everything ended for me when robert died i shall never marry again i couldn't bear to put anybody in robert's place of course you couldn't i know it's been awful for you auntie i couldn't bear it anne if i didn't believe that there is something somewhere i can't think how you get on without any religion how do you know i haven't any well you've no faith in anything have you ducky i don't know what i've faith in 
it's too difficult if you love people that's enough i think it keeps you going through everything no it doesn't it's all the other way about it's loving people that makes it all so hard if you didn't love them you wouldn't care what happened to them if i didn't love colin i could bear his shell-shock better if i didn't love him i couldn't bear it at all i expect said adeline we both mean the same thing anne thought of adeline's locked door and in spite of her love for her she had a doubt she wondered whether in this matter of loving they had ever meant the same thing with adeline love was a passive state that began and ended in emotion with anne love was power in action more than anything it meant doing things for the people that you love adeline loved her husband and her sons but she had run away from the sight of robert's hemorrhage she had tried to keep back elliot and gerald from the life they wanted she locked her door at night and shut colin out to anne that was the worst thing adeline had done yet she tried not to think of that locked door i suppose said adeline you'll leave me now your father's coming home john severn's letter lay between them on the table he was retiring after twenty-five years of india he would be home as soon as his letter i shall do nothing of the sort said anne i shall stay as long as you want me if father wants me he must come down here in another three days he had come chapter four he had grey hair now and his face was a little lined a little faded but he was slender and handsome still handsomer more distinguished adeline thought than ever again he sat out with her on the terrace when the october days were warm he walked with her up and down the lawn and on the flagged paths of the flower-garden again he followed her from the drawing-room to the library where colin was and back again he waited ready for her again adeline smiled her self-satisfied self-conscious smile she had the look of a young girl moving in perfect happiness she was perpetually aware of him one night colin called out to anne that he couldn't sleep people were walking about outside under his window anne looked out in the full moonlight she saw adeline and her father walking together on the terrace adeline was wrapped in a long cloak she held his arm and they leaned toward each other as they walked his man's voice sounded tender and low anne called to them i say darlings would you mind awfully going somewhere else colin can't sleep with you prowling about there adeline's voice came up to them with a little laughing quiver all right ducky we're going in chapter five it was the end of october john severn had gone back to london he had taken a house in montpelier square and was furnishing it one morning adeline came down smiling more self-conscious than ever and she said do you think you could look after colin if i went up to evelyn's for a week or two evelyn was adeline's sister she lived in london of course i can you aren't afraid of being alone with him afraid of call call what do you take me for well adeline meditated it isn't as if mrs benning wasn't here mrs benning was the housekeeper that'll make it all right and proper the fact is i must have a rest and change before the winter i hardly ever get away as you know and evelyn would like to have me i think i must go of course you must go anne said and adeline went at the end of the first week she wrote twelve eaton square november third nineteen fifteen darling anne will you be very much surprised to hear that your father and i are going to be married you mayn't know it but he has loved me all his life we were to have married once you knew that 
and i jilted him but he has never changed he has been so faithful and forgiving has waited for me so patiently twenty-seven years anne that i hadn't the heart to refuse him i feel that i must make up to him for all the pain i've given him we want you to come up for the wedding on the tenth it will be very quiet no bridesmaids no party we think it best not to have it at wick on colin's account so i shall just be married from evelyn's house give us your blessing there's a dear your loving adeline fielding anne's eyes filled with tears at last she saw adeline fielding completely as she was without any fascination she thought she's marrying to get away from colin she's left him to me to look after how could she leave him how could she anne didn't go up for the wedding she told adeline it wasn't much use asking her when she knew that colin couldn't be left or if you like that i can't leave him her father wrote back your aunt adeline thinks you reproach her for leaving colin i told her you were too intelligent to do anything of the sort you'll agree it's the best thing she could do for him she's no more capable of looking after colin than a kitten she wants to be looked after herself and you ought to be grateful to me for relieving you of the job but i don't like your being alone down there with colin if he isn't better we must send him to a nursing home are you wondering whether we're going to be happy we shall be so long as i let her have her own way which is what i mean to do your very affectionate father john severn and anne answered dearest daddy i shouldn't dream of reproaching aunt adeline any more than i should reproach a pussy-cat for catching birds look after her as much as you please i shall look after colin whether you like it or not darling you can't stop me and i won't let colin go to a nursing home it would be the worst possible place for him ask elliot besides he is better i'm ever so glad you're going to be happy your loving anne end of part seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine